0: future lay out there in the bullpen the starters are out now it's time to head to the bullpen squad bullpen now live from the veritex community bank studios here are the producers of espn 97.5 and 92.5 go ahead call the producers who win it now
1: Welcome in to the bullpen here on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I am Joe George alongside Andrew Carlson and RJ Saunders. Did I say that right, RJ? Okay, good. I was like 99% confident that I knew how to say it. I forgot if there was a U or not in there. Dude, I'm excited. I've heard incredible things about RJ's music selection. Ooh.
2: So I'm very, very excited to see how the show sounds today.
1: Uh, you guys can get in here on the text line and the phone lines at 713-780-3776. Of course, twitch.tv slash ESPN 975. And look, we've got a, a ton to get into today before all oh, my Twitch is talking. Turn that off. Um, March Madness obviously is has earned its name. I think is the best way to put it so far. It has been... An awesome, wild tournament through the first two days. And now we're into the second round. Uh, Texans free agency is kind of slowed down at this point across the NFL, but they've made a bunch of additions. Today As a, a happy anniversary to you, uh, to everyone uh, that hated that scumbag, Deshaun Watson, because uh, today is the anniversary of the trade. So congrats to all of you. Uh, we are one year removed from the Deshaun Watson era. Uh, that's why the Texans had the 12th pick in the draft. And there's just a ton of great stuff. But let's start with March Madness. The Cougs play today at six ten, Basically, a road game. Which is ridiculous. And because the game's in Birmingham. They're playing Auburn. And, look, their first game, Andrew, wasn't great. I it think was, that's putting it mildly. It was kind of ugly. But you're not Purdue. You won. So, we'll just start there. Purdue loses to a 16 seed yesterday. All-time per don't moment, and at least the Cougs won, Andrew. Yeah, and this is one of those things where
2: other results give you much better perspective on what happens with your team. There's a reason that everyone just says, survive in advance, survive in advance. Every single round of the NCAA tournament. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that you are not going to be playing pretty basketball throughout the entirety of your tournament run. You are going to have to win ugly at various points. Now, if you're the University of Houston, obviously you would ideally rather that not happen against the 16 seed that is a directional school somewhere in the state of Kentucky. But look, you said it and you are 100% right. It's much better to win ugly than it is to go home. And if you're a Houston Cougars fan like I am, you're just happy that your school isn't Purdue because for a little while there in that first-round game, it sure as hell looked like you could be Purdue.
1: Yeah, it was it was not the prettiest of games. But you know my my biggest takeaway from this game, Andrew, is that this is kind of Coog's basketball. They're very they, good at winning ugly. They win ugly. It's just it's what they've done all season long. And of course there are times where they've won big. And look, even this game, like they they won by a good enough margin, but it just wasn't pretty getting through that process the entire time. And Going to tonight's game, Auburn obviously got a victory as well over Iowa. And I feel like the Cougs are going to win tonight. Now, you have some injury concerns. Sasser said he's going to play. Um, and I think there is a real question of if Kelvin Sampson and the Cougs staff and Sasser himself made a mistake in that first game by letting him play. I get why, but look, you are a one seed playing a 16. Do you need to have your best player out there? I think probably... Probably not,
2: to be honest. In hindsight, I think it's easy for us to say that. And I agree with you that in reality, if you were living in some sort of ideal world, your coach just says, hey, you know what? We're going to give you another extra couple days of rest. We're going to make sure that you're as close to 100% as you're going to possibly be for our second round matchup. But reality is much more difficult than that. And when you've got someone like Marcus Sasser, who came back for his senior year for this exact moment, Joe, he came back to play in the tournament because he missed out on all of this in their run to the Elite Eight last season. And they went out in large part to Villanova because he was not able to be on the floor and provide some offensive punch in a game that they only made one three-pointer. So with all of that context, I think it's so much more difficult to tell him, hey, you're not going to be able to play. Because if the medical team clears him, which everything that we have read and heard says that they gave him the green light, if he says that, hey, I practiced hard, I felt good in warmups." If all of that checks out, as the coach of the Cougars, if you're Kelvin Sampson, how are you going to hold your player out in this moment that he has been waiting the past two years to have?
1: Yeah, and I think and honestly, when you when you look at it in, in totality, right? You win, he gets he gets hurt again, and it's it's not great. And but it's, it, he said yesterday he's 100 percent going to play today. I think let's let's if it was the inverse, what if you were Purdue and Sasser didn't play? The the what ifs that come after I think are honestly worse than 100%. this now because, look, they should beat Auburn tonight. Now, if they don't, like Auburn, they can stroke it a little bit, and I, that to me is is going to be the Cougs' downfall at some point in this tournament if they don't win the whole thing is the, their pace is slow. They don't put up a ton of points all the time, and if a team is just raining threes, it doesn't matter sometimes how great your defense is if you just catch a team on the wrong moment. And as we've seen through this tournament, look, we've seen – a 16 seed win, a 15 seed win, a 14 seed win—like every upset you've wanted has happened so far. And if the Cougs just catch someone on the wrong night, that definitely can hurt them. It's why I made two brackets. I made a, I, and I'm anti-two bracket guy.
2: I was about to say, Joe.
1: I don't going to have a problem. I don't believe in two brackets, so I made the same exact bracket twice. I made one change this was before the tournament. I said, if Sasser's hurt, I'm going to have Texas going to the title game. Losing to Alabama, if Sasser plays, I got the Cougs beating Alabama here. So I, I was like, "One, well, you know, well then I picked USC to go to the Final Four, and they lost yesterday. So great pick. My bracket sucks. <laughs> I had Arizona going far in the tournament. That didn't last long. My bracket's a disaster. I mean, I had Maryland lo- um, losing to West Virginia, the the first game. My bracket was dead. Uh, you're not alone in that. Oh, I know, but like every every upset I picked wrong. Kent State over Iowa? Didn't happen. Kennesaw State over Xavier? Didn't happen. Like, everyone I thought was going to happen didn't, and it was inverse. Mm. But that's brackets. I mean, it's it's the best time of the year. You mentioned something before the show. Is this the best weekend in sports?
2: Oh, in my opinion, 100%. I think that in terms of the amount of sports and entertaining sports that you're getting over this period of four days is better than any other single period of the year because you wake up and obviously we have work responsibilities, so it's not quite the same as if I was still in college or if I was working a part-time job before this and I had a lot more free time on my hands. But you wake up and from 11 in the morning, basically, you get to fuse with your couch all the way until you know midnight and you can have a basketball game on your television the entire time from that time you get up at 11 a.m. all the way till past midnight, and you're engaged with all of it because of what the tournament has become, with the brackets, with the sports betting and everything else. You don't get that with literally anything else that we have to offer. The only thing I think
1: is close is I do think that division weekend of the wild card now, or wild card weekend. Super wild card weekend. Super wild card weekend. You know, you have three days of it. You have six games. It's pretty good. It was a little bit better, but the best, honestly, I thought there was a weekend that was better until they added a week to the NFL season. When wildcard weekend was Saturday and Sunday, and then the national football championship game was on Monday, that stretch was awesome. You've got NFL playoffs, the national championship in college football. Like it was an elite weekend, but then they added a game to the NFL schedule and ruined it all. It ruined all that. So, how do you feel about tonight? How do you feel about your kooks? Do you feel okay? I feel do you need some therapy. I feel relatively okay. Because what happens if they lose? Are you gonna do? I need to get a producer for you on Monday. I, I don't think that will be necessary
2: because they're going to win, Joe. Okay. And even if they lose, I will be okay. But we're not even going to speak that into existence right now. We're not even going to talk about that. I think that Auburn doesn't have the capacity, at least not from what I've seen, to hurt the Cougs in the way that teams, some of the teams that they've struggled with in the past or in this season, really have. Like. One of the things that the Cougs struggle with most a lot of the time is someone at the top of the key, someone who's able to beat his man one-on-one off the dribble and cause havoc and force the Cougs to rotate. And I don't really see that sort of issue being presented by this Auburn team. They've got some decent scores and some decent players, but they don't have any true bona fide sharpshooters. And we, we know that the Cougs have one of the best three point the best three-point defense in all the country now. You can say that Northern Kentucky just missed a bunch of wide open shots in their first round matchup. But, look, the reality is that I, I just don't think that Auburn has the capacity to hurt Houston in the way that really gives me cause for concern. The only thing that I'll be really worried about is where's Jamal Shedd's knee at? It, like I I think that he's going to be good enough to play because from everything we've read and what we've heard, this hyperextension of the knee that he's been dealing with is something that he's been carrying with him for a little bit. Yeah. And... <laughs> It doesn't seem like it's really hampered him too much until the end of that first round game. So my guess is he got some treatment, and you know it was a isolated incident that caused it to flare up or to hurt more than it had previously. And he'll be good to go because if he's down and if Marcus Sasser's not 100 percent and you don't have a real lead ball handler, then you're in a whole world of hurt.
1: Yeah, it's a different it's a different planet for for the Cougs. I mean, I think at that point you're you're I think you might be lucky if you get a win.
2: I, I agree. I think that. In that scenario, where both your lead guards are not really capable of being even a shell of themselves, yeah. then you're in a lot of trouble. Well, and
1: that's what wins March Madness. Like guard it, play is is veteran guard play. The teams that typically have the most success in these tournaments at this point in college basketball is a team that has veteran guard play. And if when you have you know if you have freshmen back there, typically a lot of times you see a lot of turnovers. It's why even with Alabama, you know I, I question. How far they're going to go. I know Brandon Miller's dealing with an injury as well. A groin injury. Shocker. And like it's, but you know, look, he's a freshman. He's going to make mistakes that Sasser is not going to make. And it's just what makes some of the, the tournaments so fascinating is, you know, you have these teams that it's winner take all in one game, but it's just having a freshman versus a junior or senior guard. It matters more in this moment than ever. Yeah, and March, this
2: is a quote from the Fairleigh Dickinson coach last night, and I think it's very apropos in terms of what we're seeing across the tournament right now is styles make fights, and yep. I, I know that's a big thing in boxing, and that's, that's really how March is because you have teams that, you know, on paper are significantly superior to those across the court from them, but just because of one or two matchups from a positional standpoint or just from a stylistic standpoint – it doesn't That talent difference doesn't matter. And I, I think the Cougars ran into that a little bit with their game against Northern Kentucky. Northern Kentucky runs this weird matchup zone, sort of half press going into a full press sometimes. And it, it clearly messed with the Cougars a little bit. I, I don't think that Auburn is going to present those same issues. And that's the beauty of March, right? You have these teams that, for whatever reason, the style of offense they run, the style of defense they run, it can present unique problems to their opponent and cause complete and total chaos, and that's
1: why we call it March Madness. It's why Syracuse was so good in the tournament for so long because they ran a 2-3 zone better than anyone else in college basketball, and teams wouldn't see it all year. Mm -hmm. And then they'd play Jim Boeheim's good Syracuse teams, and people would have major problems with it. Well, now he's gone. Uh, I'm curious if they'll still run the 2-3 zone. I'm honestly
2: fascinated. Paul Gallant might throw a fit if they
1: do. I almost hope they do because the amount of uh, media members, like – being from Chicago, I actively like to root against Northwestern and Syracuse because, and you know who else is in that category for me now? Michigan. Really? Adam Schefter and Rich Eisen, I love both those guys, are so obnoxious when Michigan football is good, I now actively root against all those. Now, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so like I don't really like Michigan anyways, but now I actively root against Northwestern, Syracuse, and Michigan because when they win, these guys are just Absolutely obnoxious. He's Andrew Carlson. I'm Joe George. RJ here with us as well today. You guys can find us on Twitter at Carlson Radio, at R has no J, and at Joe George Radio. And you're welcome in here as well at 713-780-3776. Twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. We said it's been March. It's been madness. Who has impressed you the most? And what kind of disadvantage are the Cougs at tonight when they play in Alabama against Auburn. We'll talk about that next year on the bullpen on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN
0: 97.5. You're listening to the bullpen on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5.
1: The bullpen here on ESPN 97.5, 92.5. Joe George, Andrew Carlson, R.J. Saunders here with you till 2 o'clock today. Uh, next weekend and the weekend after, we're hitting the road. Not only did they give us a show, they're letting us leave the building next Saturday. Uh, we will be on. Not Andrew. He's too cool. He's going to be in Vegas. So it's going to be myself, uh, Josh Beard, who you've heard on the station, I'm sure, from time to time. R.J. will be out there with us as well. We're going to be at Bobcat Teddy's Ice House. We're actually going to do a three-hour show from 12 to 3. The Sunday show, uh, RJ, BMAC, and Sean will be at Christian's Tailgate Bar and Grill. And then on April 1st, Andrew and myself will be at McIntyre's downtown. Ooh, can't wait for that. So uh, uh, McIntyre's and then Drift Bar where you guys were at on Thursday. Look, I, I, have, a, I have a two-year-old, so my, my uh, op- opportunity to leave the house is sometimes limited. Uh so I went out to uh uh McIntyre's for the first time like last week or 2 weeks ago and then we went to Drift Bar right after. It's a fun spot. I was spot, like these man. places are sick. It's
2: a fun spot. So yeah,
1: we'll be out on the road. So Bobcat Bobcat Teddy's Ice House next Saturday from 12 to 3. Uh come join us, come drink some beers, some we're doing it's brought to you by Neutral. So they're new, it's the it's the vodka seltzers. Okay? That that Bud Light's introducing. So, which I'm a big fan of. I haven't tried these ones yet, but I like the idea of it. I'm a big seltzer guy. Really? What's wrong with seltzer? Oh, nothing. I love seltzers. I mean, I mean you, like, you, like just, beer, you just strike me as a beer, beer guy. I am a beer one, but like, I, there's times where I, I go, I, I'm team seltzer. If I don't want to get you know heavy drinking in, there's a little, little light buzz. Want to eat more, not be weighed down by beer. I'll go. I'm a seltzer guy, so I'm I'm excited about that. So coming out with us next Saturday from 12 to 3 at Bobcat Teddy's Ice House. So. The Cougs today play Auburn in Alabama. And I think immediately as soon as the brackets come out, we all see it. And we're just like, okay, this is not... It was a concern. And it's just, it's not, it's not like the Cougs have been bad on the road. They have literally not lost on the road. The, did that change? No, they haven't lost on the road all year in terms okay. of true
2: road games. Now, yeah. if, they've tournament. lost away from home in the AAC tournament. But yeah. that's not considered a true road game. In terms of actual road games... They're undefeated this yeah, season.
1: Yeah, so they've lost one game on the road, then, this entire season, if it's even a not-true road game in the AAC tournament. Now they play a real road game. I mean, this is a—look, you, if you watch the Auburn-Iowa game, it was—they clearly made that drive up to Birmingham. It was packed out. And it's going to be, honestly, I would expect even crazier tonight. It is going to be a true road game for the Cougs. I don't personally think it really matters that much. Because I think we've seen that the Cougs have played well enough on the road. They have the veteran leadership. They have the coach that knows what's the, what it's like to play in these environments. And they've just been there, done that. Like, So it's not a huge concern. But they're also the only team dealing with this, basically. Until a team potentially comes here to Houston to play the Cougs in the Final Four.
2: I think it's completely unfair that it's happening. I mean, scratch out the I think. It is completely unfair that this is happening. Like The fact that a... Nine seed is getting the benefit of essentially playing a home game mm-hmm. in the second round of the tournament is just absurd. The The fact that you couldn't just switch them with Florida Atlantic in the East region, and I, I understand that the committee has their decisions to, you know, they don't want to schedule games that will potentially lead to conference games or conference matchups in the first or second round. So they don't want to have a same conference matchup in the first or second round. But you switch Florida Atlantic, and you switch Auburn, and you avoid that 100%. There is no conflict of interest there whatsoever. So it, it is confusing to me. But at the same time, I genuinely believe that this could be a jump start that the Cougs need. Big time. They have thrived on the road all season long, and they looked lethargic in that first game against Northern Kentucky. There's no two ways about it. They've even admitted as much post game, where, yeah, Northern Kentucky just wanted it more than we did. They played harder than we did. Those are not things that you associate with the Houston Cougars under Kelvin Sampson. And for me, at least, they have thrived in those road environments all season long, and they enjoy sucking the energy out of a building. They enjoy, you know, making it miserable for the opposing fans there. And I I think that this could be the sort of thing that really jumpstarts their March Madness run potentially Assuming that we get a relatively healthy version of Jamal Shedd and Marcus Sasser.
1: Yeah, I, I will say one thing that I love that the tournament does is they they act like they don't make matchups, but they they make matchups. And I love Kelvin Sampson versus Indiana in the next round. Oh, that would be incredible if it happens. Indiana fans hate him so I much. No, they do. And Indiana takes down Miami. If that happens, would that be that's tomorrow? They play tomorrow. Houston wins tonight. Houston versus Indiana would be electric. Like, that game, even though nobody from either program cares at all, like, player-wise, but the fan bases love it, and I just, I love, I love when they do stuff like this. It's why I'm pissed at Texas A&M for choking versus Penn State, because I wanted Texas versus Texas A&M, but these schools do literally whatever they can to not play each other.
2: It's Ridiculous!
1: They lose on
2: purpose. Now. I, I, basically, every time that Texas A&M and Texas have had the opportunity to go up against one another, and we've had a couple chances in the Texas Bowl, but it hasn't happened because yep. both the programs have been relatively mediocre, and they've sort of decided against letting that happen in a bowl game. But in basketball, there have been multiple opportunities for
1: this to happen since they went separate ways. And they just don't do it. And, like, and, they, and you know, if you don't know what the new format's going to be in the SEC for football— they're going to get three uh locked in opponents every year. You're going to play the same three teams every single season until the SEC expands again, right? And there's even conversation about making sure that Texas and Texas A&M are not locked into those matchups. That would be it's disgusting. Like, what are we like what are we doing here? Like like what are you what are you scared of? And I don't really know who it is. Texas fans always say it's A&M. Aggies always say it's the Longhorns. Everyone always just points fingers and blames the other athletic director. And, like, what, that's supposed to be the Friday after Thanksgiving? That's when they would play?
2: I believe so, I has been so yes, long, usually. I can't even remember. I, I believe that's when they used to play. Yeah. But it's been well over a decade at this point. And
1: then someone said that there was conversation about them playing at, like, Jerry World every year. Like, neutral site. And I'm like, what planet do these people live on? That, like they think something like that's a good idea it's the number one reason exi- to be excited about Texas going back to the or going to the SEC is the fact that they're going to play am in that conference that'd be like if the Cougs said they didn't want to play Baylor I guess like would be like at least basketball wise maybe yeah like it would be the one team you'd be turning down I know there's no real rivalry like that but in, t- in terms of the rest of the tournament obviously Purdue I think we put as the least impressive team
2: a hundred percent like fairly Dickinson, in my opinion, didn't even play all that well no. in the game. Like no, Purdue didn't. was just that bad. It, so it was not even that like fairly Dickinson pulled a UMBC and actually played really well because I thought UMBC played Virginia off the court when they were the first 16 to knock off a one fairly Dickinson. they didn't even play that. They didn't shoot exceptionally well from three. You know, they didn't play at some breakneck pace that Purdue couldn't handle. It was just Purdue couldn't hit a shot to save their lives. And a lot of them were just wide open. So, yeah, I think Purdue is far and away the most disappointing team. So we can just sort of check that box for them. But other than that, I think Arizona has to get a shout.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, all these big yeah, seeds. Yeah, you, uh, you lose to... Virginia's obviously in there, too. But I,
2: I think the Aggies, just because of the fact that... Oh, I understand they were dealt a very difficult hand. But we could have had that Texas-A&M matchup and... Or UT versus A&M matchup, to clarify for anybody out there. And... They just couldn't
1: do it. And not only did they, look, they lost by 17 points. Yeah. So like, it's, it's not like this was, you know, TCU wins, uh, TCU's win last night over Arizona State, you know, 72-70. If TCU loses that game, they don't belong in this category because if Arizona State would have won on a buzzer beater. To, to lose by 17 points when you've built your season back up the way A&M did is highly disappointing. Now, do I hate it? No, because I'm glad that our Sunday guys are going to have a show guaranteed because they could have lost their – no, I guess we could have lost our we show. We could have lost our show. So, yeah, sorry, Ann. I know we carry your games here, but, like, I'm glad we're on the air today. In terms of teams that have been the most impressive to you, um, I, I think for me, the the number one team that I was most impressed with, because they started out slow, because you've seen this team get better and better and people don't want to necessarily acknowledge it, It's Duke. I know they just played Oral Roberts, but Duke has played really good basketball under John Shire the second half of the season. I'm really curious to see what they do against Tennessee because I I believe that Duke will win this game, and then they're going to get matched up with Fairleigh Dickinson or FAU, and they're going to be in the Sweet 16.
2: They've got a very, very clean shot to the Elite Eight. I don't think all that highly of Tennessee. Rick Barnes, I don't think much of his team's in the tournament. I think you're 100% right. Duke was excellent in their first-round game. There were a lot of people who were saying that that wasn't a game that Duke was going to lose, but it was going to be a potentially sticky spot for them. Mm -hmm. And they just rolled over Oral Roberts. I mean, that game was over within five minutes of tipping off. Because Oral Roberts could barely get on the board. I mean, it took them, what, seven or eight minutes to even score a bucket? Like, Duke has been ridiculously impressive, at least through their first round. And then for me, outside of that, I thought UConn was really good pulling away yesterday yeah. as well. Uh, that that was the game that they they were down at halftime to Iona, a Rick Pitino coach team. We know how well Rick Pitino typically has done
1: in the tournament, and they just wiped the floor with Iona in the second half. Yeah, UConn was one of my is one of my Final Four teams. Same here. So I, my Final Four was Alabama, USC, Houston, UConn. I just got, I went too cute. I got too cute with USC. Look, there's been a seven team a seven seed or higher in the final four. I think it's every year since 2004. So I wanted to put someone in there higher than a seven seed. And I, I just went with USC. And then I, I, I will, I think in general, I, the big 10 has been impressive.
2: It Outside is a, of their champion.
1: It is a miserable watch, but besides Purdue, Michigan state played very well. Northwestern actually played pretty well. You know, Iowa, they lost to Auburn, so I guess it's been a mixed bag. But Maryland beats West Virginia. You know, they they had some good games, and then I, USC lost. I I still, I'm, they're now a Big Ten team to me. By the way, <sighs> that's right. I'm never going to get used to you, that. I count them already. Northwestern versus UCLA. This is a Big Ten matchup for the ages here. And the second <laughs> round. Don't of the say starter. that. Isn't that disgusting that that's what college sports is becoming?
2: I can't wait till we just get rid of the conferences entirely. I don't. Yeah, that like
1: that's disgust. Like the fact that we're going to have two
2: West Coast teams playing in the Big Ten is. I I don't even want to get into it. I
1: believe the Big Ten is hoping for the Pac-12's downfall, and the Pac-12, in my opinion, will eventually dissolve. And I think what you're going to see happen is half the teams are going to join the Big Ten, and you're going to have a Western Conference in the Big Ten, and then some of them are going to join the Big Twelve. Personally, I thought from the beginning, the second USC and UCLA left, that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 should have just merged and become their own kind of super conference, to where you're not, you still don't have the elite of the elite talent, but you could get a way better TV deal. You had great teams. Honestly, the proximity is not that bad. Going from Houston to California to LA to play um, to play Cal is not that bad versus Rutgers flying literally across the country. To play UCLA. Yeah, that's absurd. It's like Big 12, Pac-12 to me made a ton of sense. He's Andrew Carlson. I'm Joe George. RJ here as well. He's on Twitter at R has no J. RJ, that Twitter handle's tough. Uh, Andrew's on Twitter at Carlson Radio. I'm on Twitter at Joe George Radio. It is always smokescreen season during the NFL draft. And after the Panthers traded up to the number one pick, they are throwing out some wild, wild smokescreens that directly affect your Houston Texans We'll talk about that next year on The Bullpen on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5.
0: live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the bullpen on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5.
1: Joe George, Andrew Carlson, and RJ Saunders here with you until 2 o'clock on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 bullpen. All right, the Texans obviously have the number two pick in the draft. Last week, last Friday, the Carolina Panthers traded up to the number one spot. And when you see that, you immediately think they got their guy. They know who they're going to take. You would think. They're going to take X quarterback. They're going to take Will Levis. They're going to take Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. And within an hour or two, oh, they might trade back. And it just keeps, it's just grown over the last week that the Carolina Panthers are not locked in on a quarterback. And everyone you listen to kind of tells a different story. Some people you listen to, and they say it's Stroud or it's Anthony Richardson. Some say it's Young or Anthony Richardson. Some say it's Young or Stroud. And it does seem that it's unclear what they want. It's also unclear in terms of these smoke screens or whatever it is. Not every reporter has the same story about what Frank Reich wants and what the owner wants, about which quarterback. I've literally heard the owner wants C.J. Stroud, and then I listen to a different podcast, and the owner wants Bryce Young. Frank Reich wants Bryce Young, then he wants Stroud. Frank Reich is very interested by Anthony Richardson. I don't know if it's all smokescreen. This is once, I think they just might be dumb. I really hope they're this dumb. I think they don't know what they're doing. It would be
2: malpractice from a organization to trade up and give everything that they gave up to get to number one and have no idea who you're selecting. Like, that would be organizational malpractice, and I understand that it's a relatively new owner, but I just, I hope that's the case because it will lead to a fascinating and entertaining draft season unlike anything we've ever seen. But at the same time, like, part of me as a Texans fan is also like, hey, just give me an idea of where we're leaning here.
1: Oh, I'm begging them to take Anthony Richardson. Oh, my goodness. It would be fantastic. Could you imagine if the Texans, they don't have to trade up, and they have their choice of Bryce Young or CJ Stroud at two. Like, that is the perfect scenario for the Houston Texans is that Frank Reich and and the Panthers ownership group and Josh McCown, because he's their quarterback coach, they believe they can fix the mechanical issues of Anthony Richardson and turn him into a superstar quarterback. And I get it. His ceiling, if he puts it together, is way higher. It's it's way higher, I think, than Stroud and Young. But the, the idea that a quarterback is going to complete 53% of his passes in college and then develop into the superstar quarterback is ridiculous because comparing him to Jalen Hurts is a joke. Jalen Hurts completed 71% of his passes his last year in college. He was accurate. His deep ball wasn't great. Comparing him to Justin Fields, there's a trend here if you listen carefully. Comparing him to Justin Fields is a joke. Justin Fields in a college football playoff game threw six touchdowns versus Clemson. Like Justin Fields was a 10 times better passer in college than Anthony Richardson was. This guy, the comparison is Mitch Trubisky. 13 games started in college, up and down. Everything is potential And if they take Anthony Richardson, he's going to be Mitch. And Watson and Mahomes are going to be Stroud and Young. And that's why it would be awesome for the Texans.
2: Josh Allen, I think, has ruined quarterback evaluations for the foreseeable future. Big time. Because everyone is projecting the mobile giant who can throw it over that there mountain to become Josh Allen. And there's a reason that Josh Allen is such a special and unique case because he has not happened before, Joe. Like he is a unicorn and expecting that every other quarterback that comes along that has a similar profile to him is all of a sudden just going
1: to turn out to be that is is lunacy, man. It's 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 crazy because what's the one thing that Anthony Richardson wouldn't have in any situation? Brian Dable. Brian Dable, look what he's done. He developed Josh Allen. He just got that bum Daniel Jones paid. Daniel Jones won a playoff game this year, his first year. A guy that the Giants thought so little of, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. He won a playoff game with him. Brian Dable in his first year with the Giants. Like, it's, it's not just about, I can do this. Like What makes you think Frank... Like, hiring Frank Reich to me was an odd hire for the Panthers organization because what has he done that has shown you he can develop a quarterback? And he's tied himself to Carson Wentz. Now... At multiple stops,
2: which is if, if I was evaluating a head coach, I would be concerned at the fact that you have now tied yourself to Carson Wentz at two different places, and it has
1: not worked out for you either time. Nope, it's been a total, total mess. So with these reports, with these rumors, it got even more confusing. Here's Adam Schefter on ESPN talking about what the what the Panthers might do at number
3: one. And I think going into the process of evaluating. The quarterbacks, I think that Bryce Young is the favorite to become the number one overall pick, and they will go in with an open. Really?
2: Yeah, That's. let's live there for just a second if we can, because some people have thought maybe Anthony Richardson climbed into that conversation after the combine. C.J. Stroud. You're hearing C.J. Stroud, especially with that offensive line. I think going
3: into the process, Mm -hmm. I think, let me say it this way, I think Bryce Young is to the Panthers – what Mac Jones was to the 49ers Ooh. when they traded up. They Ooh. traded up with the idea that they really Ooh. liked Mac Jones, and then they went through the process and wound up on Trey Lance. I think in this particular case, this team moved up with the idea that Bryce Young was a guy that they loved. Mm. They also really like C.J. Stroud. He's definitely got support in the organization, and we'll see what transpires during the course of evaluations. But I think... At the beginning of the process, it starts out with Bryce Young as the favorite.
1: Confusing is the way I would deem that quote. Because when you throw Mac Jones in, my interpretation of the reports is not what Adam Schefter just said. My interpretation is that Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones, John Lynch overruled him, and took Trey Lance. Yeah, and from my perspective,
2: if the Panthers want to go ahead and take that Project quarterback because they just fall in love with all the measurables like the 49ers did with Trey Lance? Crazy. Go ahead. Go ahead. Be my guest. So the headlines that came out of that quote were so crazy to me because Schefter basically covered all his bases. Yeah, he
1: he covered. He didn't report. He said, I think, which is the first thing. He picked Bryce Young, and then he said that Bryce Young is their Mac Jones, insinuating that Bryce Young's not going to be the quarterback they take.
2: Schefter literally covered himself in all capacities there, which is just so funny because that's how a lot of these you know, speculative reports go where it's just, oh, well, this could happen, but you know what? Also, this could
1: happen as well. The question is this. If you are Nick Casario and you want Bryce Young and you don't believe in C.J. Stroud as much and you don't want to entertain the idea of Anthony Richardson, do you call the Panthers bluff I was team trade-up before. Do you call the Panthers bluff and trade-up now? We'll talk about that next year on ESPN 97.5 and
0: 92.5. ESPN 97.5. I assumed you knew. The Valley Lovers and the Party ass. What's up? I do my thing any harder way. And if you know where we're going, then you probably don't be coming with us. This is the bullpen on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Here are the producers of ESPN 97.5
1: and 92.5. RJ, is this the kind of music you play for John and Lance? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I guess I just don't hear it because it's so early. I listen like usually in the last like hour and a half on my way in. Doesn't feel like John Grunow's vibe. You know what? Oh, I, I think
2: John's cultured. What do What do you think, RJ? No, nah, like I I have like a whole Spotify playlist of like songs I've played like throughout the time during the show, and this is one of them. And so I was like, if I'm going to do your show,
1: please let me control the music. So that's a good nah. call. I like it. All right. So the Panthers had the number one pick, and when the Bears had it, and we knew they weren't going to take a quarterback, I I said the Texans should trade up for the number one pick. Because I didn't feel like it was going to cost that much, and I think that's the reality: is it wasn't going to cost that much, and that's why the Bears were talking to the Raiders and the Panthers specifically. The report is that they were asking for the seventh pick, two first rounders, and two second rounders from the Raiders. Exactly what they got from the Panthers, except for instead of that third first rounder, DJ they got Moore. DJ Moore. So the Bears clearly had the intent of trading back for a bigger package, and I think that's why. In hindsight now, the Texans were never really in the conversation. But now, if the Panthers really are unsure, and they might be willing to trade back like it's been reported, which is still blasphemous to me. Like, how do you trade back and trade, uh, trade all the way up and then trade back and not get the guy you want? Like, what if Bryce Young's number one on your board and he's a 99 overall grade. CJ Charles a 98. Well, you still have Bryce Young graded higher, and you're letting the Texans pick. So, personally, I don't think this happens. But if they called the Texans, and they called Nick Casario and said, look, we like two of these or three of these quarterbacks. We're willing to get a little back in return for you to move up one spot. What would you be willing to give up at this point with the Panthers? Would not
2: be more than, I think, a second-round pick next season. I think I would be willing to give up the Texans' second-round pick next season. I understand that the way that a lot of these draft value charts work, a pick the next draft is almost worth a round less in terms of the value chart. So we'd essentially be calling it a third-round pick this season. Mm -hmm. I think that's the maximum that I would be willing to give up. Because if you look at the situation the Panthers are in, they can't negotiate with anybody else. They can't bring anybody else to the table because you cannot afford to trade back more than one spot, so and you're going to trade back with the Colts. No, yeah, you're negotiating with one team and one team only in this scenario, and that's going to be the Texans. So you're not going to be able to hold them up against the wall to bargain with some other team. Like it is legitimately, the Texans are bust if you're going to make a trade, and I think that gives the Texans a lot of power in that scenario.
1: Yeah, it's it, it is not. It doesn't seem fathomable that they, the Texans would have to pay that much to move up one spot. I know some people, and I've looked at. I got a couple of buddies that work out in Carolina, and I see them talking to fans who are saying they want the Texans pick next year, or Cleveland's first next year. No shot. That's not happening. no shot. If they do that, then Kyle McNair should walk into Nick Casario's office during the draft and fire his ass on the spot, and just let Nick and let D'Amico Ryan's handle the rest of the draft because there is no reason to give up a first round pick to move up one spot. There never was, even when Chicago had it. It was always, for me, the most I would give up if I was the Texans would be the 33rd pick. Like, that is the one pick that I would be willing to give up because it's essentially a first-rounder. You would have given the Bears the opportunity to trade back into the first round at the end, and that's something I think the Texans should be doing. The Texans should pick at one, at 2, at 12 or later if they want to trade back, and they should be picking at, like, 27 or 28. If Nick Cassero sees a guy they can get a fifth-year option on and trade back into the first round... He should be doing it. So, for me, it's a second rounder next year. And I believe they have a Cleveland second next year. And that's what I'd be giving up. Yeah. Because, look, Sheldon Rankin's the latest ad for the Texans, like gives me like reason to believe that the Texans' defense is going to be okay. They that, could potentially be a top-half
2: unit this year yeah. on paper.
1: And, is. like, okay, so if everything goes perfectly, right, you have a top-half defense— you add Shaq Mason, you still have a huge gap at center, which Nick Casares just decided to completely ignore, apparently. You have a good offensive line. Like actually, if Kenyon Green takes a step, you have you will have a top ten offensive line in the NFL next year. You got Damian Pierce, Robert Woods, Nico Collins. Likely, I know whatever maybe, you get for Brandon Cooks, whatever you get for Brandon Cooks, maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba or someone like that drafted to the team if like, you have a rookie quarterback that plays well, like, you might win seven games next year. A lot of people think that might be a stretch, but if you really have this you know this this coach in D'Amico Ryans, who is a, a genius on defense and what they've added, and Stingley takes the next step, like you, you're going to have a chance to be competitive defensively next year. And if Bryce Young, Soler, or C.J. Stroud, you're going to win some games. And so I would look at the Cleveland pick because I think there's still a chance Cleveland picks is lower. Higher, lower. Lower, It'd lower, closer okay. to the third round. Okay, yeah, their pick will be closer to the third round than yours. So that is what I would give up. Is uh, I if they have Cleveland second next year, if you have to do yours, I would do that to move up one spot if it was on the table. But I'm not giving up anything past that.
2: I 100 percent agree. You cannot give up anything that is a asset that could potentially turn into an immediate day one starter because this team, as we've discussed ad nauseum over this off season, and we'll be doing. So up till the draft, they have too many holes to fill to give away potential assets like that. You, you just can't afford to do that. So for me, I still believe that like this is all a total, total bluff by the Panthers hundred percent. and they know their guy and it got out that they know their guy. And now they're just trying to backtrack and find a way to squeeze any sort of last juice they can out of this position that they found themselves in. Yeah,
1: look, I don't I you do not make a trade that's that aggressive and not know who you're going to take. Especially this early in the process. You could have waited and I guess the concern is someone beats you out for that pick in, in a better offer. I they know who they're taking or they have a pretty good idea that they know that there's at least two guys that they are going to land on one of them being the best. They might not know exactly in this moment, but they know that through the draft process, from what they've seen, what they know about Stroud, Young, and Richardson to this point, that one of them is going to be the pick at number one, and they're comfortable with that guy being at number one. So my personal opinion is that it's going to be CJ Stroud. I agree. I I don't think it's Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young is a bluff. Because when you look at Frank Reich's history, almost all of his quarterbacks have been 6'3", 6'5", and above he drafts and, and chooses bigger quarterbacks, and that's going to be Stroud. And I also, in, in terms of like longevity of a franchise, you can sell your GM and owner on not taking Bryce Young because of his size. And, and, and I think that will be an easier pitch and sell for everyone in the room. So I think it's going to be Stroud at one. I think it's going to be Bryce Young at two. And to me, that's perfect for the Texans. Yeah, it's
2: the ideal outcome. Right. You get your guy or what everyone presumes is the Texans' guy without actually having to give up any assets whatsoever. It means that whatever happened in Indianapolis in that nightmare in the final week of the season can all be forgotten about because you know what? You still got the guy that everybody wanted you to
1: have. It's so funny that everyone was so upset that they won that game. And I get it because you don't control your own destiny and you don't know. And. If you get the guy you wanted all along, it just works out perfectly. And look, it's it's just, you never know how these this process is going to play out. Things change so rapidly. Last year, when we were looking at the mock drafts, it was Aiden Hutchinson number one. Time and time again. Over and over and over. And then, boom. Lance is on it first. And then Trevon Walker is going to be the number one pick to the Jags. And it happens. And the odds change fast. And they come in at in a hurry, and it happened with the NBA. We spent in this city months from the day the Rockets season ended that Paulo Bancaro is going to be the number three pick in the draft. He's going to be a Rocket. To the Houston Rockets, Jabari Smith is going number one overall, Chet Holmgren's going two, Paulo's going three. And then hours before the draft, the odds changed dramatically, and the magic bluffed everybody. Could the Panthers be doing that? Sure. And I just hope it's Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I just don't believe that they would be capable of pulling it off in that
2: scenario just because of the fact that there, there are so many differences between what went down with that NBA draft versus what's going to happen with, the, with this NFL scenario. You're not going to have the Texans locking in on one guy like the Rockets did with Bancaro in that draft. Bancaro was the only one that I believe got to work out with the Rockets. Like, yeah. Holmgren didn't share the medicals with anybody. I believe Jabari Smith only worked out with the Magic. And so you, you had that whole situation where Bancaro didn't really even talk to the Magic, and they were just playing everything so close to the vest that people just assumed that meant, hey, they're going Jabari at one. We know the Panthers are going to be working everybody out. There's, no going, there's not going to be some sort of smokescreen where all of a sudden they're not looking at one of these guys. They're going to be having all those options on the table. And I think just because of that difference in the scenarios,
1: you're not going to be able to have it play out the way it did. Maybe the most confusing thing in the history of sports is when a draft prospect gets drafted to a team and they say, I never talked to them. Yeah. The Bears did that with Trubisky. He, like was, he said he never talked to them. Like They went to dinner with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. They never met with Mitch, and then they took Mitch anyway. How'd it go? How do you take a guy and not meet with them? It's just baffling to me. I I think this is going to work out great for the Texans, to be honest. I I believe in Bryce Young's ability. His size is concerning. You're not going to have a perfect season with him often. Like It is the reality of the Texans franchise the day he gets selected that you need to address the quarterback room kind of in the way you have this year with Case Keenum. Uh, you need to have a formidable backup. So when Bryce Young does get hurt, and you're hoping it's not to a hurt, that you have someone that can come in and your seasons don't get crushed. Yeah. The
2: way that you want to look at your backup quarterback, and I'm totally stealing this from Cody here, is... Can he win half the games that you need him to while he's in? So if the backup has to play four games, can you go two and two with that guy under center? 100%. And if if you can get that out of your backup quarterback, I think you're in a really good spot. And I think that's where the Texans are right now. All right. We
1: just mentioned the name Jabari Smith. The Rockets. They're on a winning streak. does it mean anything. I'm not sure. But Jabari Smith is balling right now. Jalen Green, Jabari, some major clutch buckets last night in their third straight win of the season. Do you finally feel like something positive is happening with the Houston Rockets? We'll talk about it next year on The Bullpen on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Well,
0: hello! To call into the HRP listener line, dial 713 780 ESPN. Dial the phone. Disappointed by your HR and payroll technology? Maybe you need to outsource your administration. Go to HRP.net to learn more.